0: Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Hello, folks. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and our podcast this month includes Steve Radley, a friend and a colleague. Steve and I have worked together in the field of entrepreneurial development for a long time. So, Steve, we're delighted to have you join us today. And we also want to thank you for hosting E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. We found a great home with you all. For our audience, Steve is the CEO and president of Network Kansas, probably one of the largest and longest running entrepreneurial ecosystems in rural America, now working in urban Kansas as well. But Steve is also a serial entrepreneur, so he comes at this from a lot of directions. So Steve, welcome today to our podcast.
1: Thank you, Don. I'm excited to be here and talk about Network Kansas and tell you a little bit about my own journey as well.
0: Great, Steve. Well, let's start there with you sharing a little bit about your journey from your early entrepreneurial work as a serial entrepreneur to now your role with Network Kansas. Share your quick bio.
1: Well, I graduated from which I'll say with an MBA, and when I got out, I was fortunate enough to get started with, believe it or not, a technology company in Wichita, Kansas, called Bright Voice Systems, and we were doing a lot of different things related across the country, related to various technologies. And so I started as a product manager there. The nice thing is we worked for a serial entrepreneur who encouraged basically trying things and failing and trying some more things. And so we would launch products and started in the healthcare area and ended up being on the first voice-activated dialing system, believe it or not, in the world. And it was launched in 1993 with AT&T Wireless. And we also went on to develop the first prepaid wireless system and sold that to Ameritech Cellular, now, I believe, Verizon in Chicago, Illinois. And so, worked a lot in technology when I started. I was a 28th employee, worked there eight and a half years when I left. We had about 175 employees, and we'd grown from 6 million in annual sales up to about 180 million.
0: You're really part of a classic stage two growth business with that experience.
1: Yeah, I was, I mean, I tell people, I said, I was the 28th employee. I found that out about four years in when Stan, our CEO, gave us all these pylons that showed what number we were. Well, I thought I was the 40th or 50th, but what had happened is he hired about 15 to 25 people in about a 60-day period, and that's when we really started our rapid growth. And as with a lot of companies, though, as we grew, executives changed a little bit, and Bright Voice ended up moving out of the state. And whether you're in Wichita, Kansas, or Dodge City, Kansas, or wherever, sometimes you have to decide whether you want to move or whether you want to do something different. So I became what sometimes you would call a necessity entrepreneur, Don, but I wanted to stay in Kansas. And so I started a manufactured housing dealership with another Bright Voice employee and longtime friend, Eric Peterson, who is also works at Network Kansas. And so we started that in 1997. We were very lucky. My dad was in the business. My brother was in the business. So they were our partners. 18 months later, we sold to the largest manufacturer in the country, Champion Enterprises in Michigan. And so after we sold out, I was running a location. Eric was running a location for them, and I kind of got antsy. So I met with my mentor. I've had a longtime mentor who happened to be the director of the Center for Entrepreneurship at Wichita State at the time. And he said, Well, Kansas has passed a law. Creating this Kansas Center for Entrepreneurship that we now call Network Kansas. And he said, I think you'd be great at it and you should apply. And so I applied and they ended up hiring me. And that's where we started thinking about Network Kansas.
0: And I think it speaks to an important point. You and Marion Kaufman, who created the Kaufman Foundation, a very successful entrepreneur in his own right always made the case that if you want to help entrepreneurs, you have to be entrepreneurial yourself. And we've always felt that Network Kansas has achieved this remarkable success because you and Eric both have been entrepreneurs and know firsthand what it takes to start and grow a venture. And in this case, Network Kansas is the venture. So share with me a little bit about the development of Network Kansas, because you came on as the first CEO and president and have been there probably longer than you thought you would be, but you're still there today. So share a little bit about that story and the development of Network Kansas.
1: It's been a lot of fun growing Network Kansas. And I, you're right, Don, I never thought I would be here this long, but it, I've always said as you can continue to grow, then it doesn't get boring. So I was hired May of 05. I hired Eric immediately within the first three weeks. To run the operation. And we've been business partners a long time and friends a long time. And so we began to start work on this. And I will tell you one thing about being an entrepreneur is when you get into the nonprofit government sector, it's good that there are some reins in place to hold you back because sometimes you can be a bull in a china closet as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur and we had the statute or the law. And Patty Clark, who was at Commerce at the time, said, read the law, read the law. And so we read the law, and we knew what we were supposed to do, and it was going to take a while. And the first thing that we had to do was create a partner network, because one of the things that they had discovered, and it's this way in every state, is there are lots of nonprofit, government sector types of resources that try and support entrepreneurs and businesses, but it is really hard for a business to figure out which one can help them at what time. And so we partnered with the Kansas Small Business Development Centers, and we did town hall meetings to grow the network. Took us about a year, and we launched that partner network in March of 2006 with 264 partners. And we now have close to 600 partners across the state that we work with. And so those partners are any organization that provides some type of business building service to entrepreneurs and small businesses anywhere in the state.
0: And so talk a little bit about another part of Network Kansas is your entrepreneurial communities program that came a bit later. And really is now central to Network Kansas' success in terms of this distributed network of partners that generate connections to entrepreneurs that allows you to, in turn, create economic development impacts.
1: Yeah, Don, really, the story of Network Kansas is the growth of two partnerships. And the first one was the partner network of service providers. When we launched Network Kansas in March of 2006, we decided that we needed to, we were trying to figure out how we could communicate to everybody that we're up and running, we're open for business. And so we thought, let's do some town hall meetings. And so we called Sheila Fromm, former U.S. Senator who was working with the community colleges across the state. There's 19 of them. And we said, Sheila, we want to go out and we want to host meetings at all your community colleges and just ask questions about what businesses need and how they need help and all of that. And Sheila (laughs) Fromm, in a week, we had 18 scheduled meetings across the state. Eric and I split up and we did 18 town hall meetings in 45 days. And we learned a lot. The community presidents hosted the meetings and we learned a lot about what the needs were. And I will tell you that It was those town hall meetings that was the start of the Entrepreneurship Community Partnership. We were writing a town hall meeting report. And there's two things that we really learned. And one of them is that you have to empower at the local level. If you want to transform communities, the first thing you do is you have to empower them. And you can't give it lip service. That's the second thing. You can't say we want to empower you, but we'll make all the decisions. And so the Entrepreneurship Community Partnership was basically Network Kansas saying, you know what? We believe in you. We want to work with you. We want to partner with you. And our assets are in play for you to make decisions on. And so we partnered with these communities and these communities are we started with. I can't ever remember. It's either six or seven. And then we have 66 now. That's probably why the number is muddled in my head. We have 66 of these e-communities and they make decisions on loans at the local level. They make decisions on entrepreneurship programs and we support their decisions through our resources, through our checkbook. We're writing checks that these communities are using to increase the entrepreneurial capacity of their local community.
0: No, and I think that speaks to a strength, and I want to kind of pivot a little bit, because the way you've done this, the capacity and the relationships that you've built, not only with resource providers, but also with communities, has really proven to be a tremendous asset with the pandemic recession. And so maybe you could share with us a little bit about how Network Kansas has become a partner with a pretty wide range of folks addressing the challenges that have come with the pandemic recession so could you illustrate some of the initiatives that you've really empowered by the infrastructure and the relationships that you've built through this approach
1: i will tell you that this pandemic really kind of has proven out what we have been learning and know and that is that if you empower and build trusted networks you can create a flat distribution so If you think of all of those e-communities, they're really distributed systems that allow resources to go straight down very quickly. And so when the pandemic hit, we got a call from the Kansas Department of Commerce and they said, we want to help the hospitality industry, restaurants, hotels, events. We have $5 million that we wanna get out quickly to these businesses. And we got that call on a Tuesday. In three hours, we had a program design. We also had to figure out, well, how are we going to close all these loans? Because we couldn't meet with entrepreneurs because of the pandemic. And so that's what's great about our staff. We figured it out. We got a great program called DocuSign and figured out how to do it. By Friday, we were standing behind the governor watching this program. But we also built regional teams. So we called all of our partners and said, hey, we need some help in determining who should receive these funds in your area. And so we built seven regional teams that actually made the decisions on the loans. These were 0% interest loans across the state. And so by Friday, we launched it. By Tuesday, we had all the decisions the next Tuesday. Now, this was working over the weekend. And all of these volunteers, I might add, were working Saturday, we're working Sunday. And we had decisions Monday and Tuesday. And we had the money distributed by Friday of the following week, $5 million. That's building a network that everyone trusts everyone and distributing that money down.
0: Yeah, it really does speak to the fact that When you're in a crisis like this, having those relationships, having that infrastructure, the ability to be entrepreneurial, because you did make some really important decisions to expedite the way you process this, really made this possible so that that money could get out in a remarkably short period of time.
1: Yeah, and the awesome thing about it is that because we did that, I then got a call from a CEO of the second largest privately held bank in Kansas, and he said, we want to do more. And we developed another program called Restart Kansas. And we talked to two banks, one in Wichita, one in Lawrence, that are our partners, and said, here's the program, what do you think? And believe it or not, a banker said, well, I like it, but your interest rate's too high. So we lowered it to a 2% interest rate based on the banker telling us this. And we launched another program called Restart Kansas. And by the way, both those banks committed $133,000 apiece to the program. And we raised about a million dollars in about three weeks and loaned out another six or, I believe, close to 600000 to businesses across the region as well. And like I said, that's because of this community this local level decision making where people that want to participate, where do you want to participate? We have someone there. And so if they want to participate in Chinook, Kansas, it's an e-community. We call that e-community and say, here's $20,000, loan it out to the businesses in your area that need it. It's just an awesome feeling when that happens and you see all of this working together in how the partnership should work.
0: Well, and I think there's another example, your partnership with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas. In this case, they wanted to do something to provide Kansas with personal protective equipment when we were in the COVID part where that was in short supply. And again, you exercised your network to help them deploy that money by finding Folks who could produce that kind of equipment. You want to share a little bit about that? Because again, it reflects how you can exercise these relationships to get stuff done very, very quickly.
1: I want to make a point about that. I was on a panel about two years ago with an entrepreneur that we had helped fund. And he said this: He said, execution trumps strategy every time. And it hit me that the reason that we get these opportunities is our ability to execute through our partners and the other piece to that is you build these relationships over time and then when something happens you already have the relationship so it wasn't like i was all of these people i'm talking about i had a relationship with or network kansas had a relationship with somebody and so virginia barnes who runs a program called blue health initiatives for blue cross blue shield of kansas called and said, we want to do this, but we don't know where the businesses are, where the nonprofits are to do this. And I said, well, I don't know if we know either, but we'll find out. So I called Eric. Eric sends an email out to his community coaches who then go to the communities. We send it to a couple of our partners. And within two hours, we knew we'd already identified several organizations and or businesses that were providing PPE equipment And the demand had grown out, outstripped their ability to manufacture. And so they needed infused capital in order to do that. And Blue Cross Blue Shield, when I first talked to Virginia, I said, Well, how much do you want to provide in grants? And she said, 100,000. And I called her back, she said, 250,000. And so within about a month, we had provided 250,000 grants, I believe, to about seven. Some businesses, some universities that were doing it, and one economic development organization that was doing it at the local level through Makerspace.
0: Well, Steve, let's talk a little bit about the future because you've got some really exciting plans that are coming. One of the new initiatives is the Community Investment Network. And I think it reflects this ongoing process of relationship building, in this case, involving philanthropy, specifically place-based community foundations, and other partners. You want to talk a little bit about this exciting new initiative that really could open up tremendous new opportunity to bring additional capital in support of venture development in Kansas. I
1: am really excited about this, and we haven't even launched it yet. We're in the middle of still defining it, but it comes through work that we have been doing with the Kansas Health Foundation in healthy food initiatives, and also community investment. And basically what we want to do, and I've been writing a lot more about it recently, is we want to create kind of a network of networks where we include networks that aren't normally working in economic development or entrepreneurship development. And some of them we have been working with in the past couple of years, such as health organizations like Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas and others. The other thing that we want to do is, what we have found is, if we begin to communicate more and build networks like we've done with our first two networks, we will learn what projects are out there. And so the other piece to this that we want to really be intentional about is partnering with minority organizations that are supporting minority entrepreneurs, And other community investment projects. And I believe that if we can start working where these paths start to cross rather than go in parallel fashion, that we'll start to see other projects and we can identify potential investors. Community foundations are, we just closed a broadband loan that a community foundation and Network Kansas and the Health Foundation invested in, in a rural community. To specifically reach underserved populations in that rural community. And another example, we're working on the Healthy Food Initiative. We work with a CDFI called IFF out of Chicago. They do over 100 million a year in loans. And so we have developed such a strong relationship with them that we reached out to them and said, What are your other areas of expertise? We know you do healthy foods. Well, 95% of their work is nonprofit real estate work. And so we've already identified four projects that they could potentially help with. And so I'm excited about this concept. It's really a concept that requires building that trust with health organizations, with minority organizations, with economic development and entrepreneurship development organizations. And I think that we have a good start to that already.
0: That's great. We're going to probably have you back as this initiative rolls along, but it's time to wrap up. And so you want to share a little bit about how people can learn more about Network Kansas, and then we're going to wrap up this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast.
1: You can go to our website, www.networkkansas.com, but I also would encourage you, and other rural organizations will tell you, we're kind of known as we're pretty good at Twitter. And so I would go to Network Kansas's Twitter. We also have an eCommunities Twitter account. And then from there, you can also find most of our coaches, myself and Eric and other staff are providing information all the time about the things we're doing in Kansas. So I would check out our Twitter accounts as well.
0: Terrific. Well, Steve, it's been great to have you on our podcast today. Also, once again, thank you for giving E2, Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, a home. I think it's been a great fit and partnership. We're looking forward to these future initiatives. And so for our our listeners today, I just want to remind you about some resources. In addition to what Steve shared, we also have a somewhat dated but still relevant case study of Network Kansas that we can make available to you. But we also encourage you to go to our E2 website, www.energizingentrepreneurs.org. There you can obtain a number of free resources. We also now have an E2 National Practitioners Network that can give you access to information on how your community can become an entrepreneurial community, in part really from the learning we've had with Kansas and your entrepreneurial communities. Of course, our monthly newsletter and this podcast that we're now hosting. So... Our next podcast will focus on the formula for growing more prosperous communities. With that, thank you for joining us today and take care and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast.